0: hey what's up gamers welcome to the safe out podcast where every gaming character every gamer has an origin story to tell i'm your host gold lion and today's guest man i'm excited for him to be here he's a good friend of mine he has an impressive career in the gaming industry he's an esports consultant and a travel hotel industry advisor He's a creator of Central Texas' first online esports gaming link for Dota 2, esports commentator for Overwatch and Dota 2 tournaments. Conducted on-camera interviews with big industry names, one being cloud 9 CSGO 2016 roster. He has helped fill convention centers with big clients such as DreamHack, hosted the first-ever VR competition on the DreamHack main stage co-founder and former cto of an esports organization named guardian gaming a u.s army veteran serving his six-year term as a computer security specialist he's a strong believer that gaming can be a force of good and positivity to the world for him it's never been solely about the game it's about being of service to others gamers i humbly introduce you the vanguard for gaming and esports and everything else in between mr peter perez what's up peter yeah what's up man chilling man chilling chilling man hey real quick from one vet to another thank you for your service my friend
1: thank you for your service i learned it from watching you man (laughs) chill you actually got in (laughs) when did you get into the army 2003 wow that's yeah it's been a while yeah i've been given consideration of going back man i really the climate's changed i feel like the military is a whole different world right now. They've yeah. got eSports teams within the yeah. Army and the Navy. I know, They're right? They're competing at Rainbow Six. They've got a deal with E-League in Atlanta, and that's, that's exciting.
0: That's definitely something worth talking about later. I like it that. It is, yeah. They've yeah. got show
1: matches going on. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go into some of that. For sure, for sure. All right, so
0: first question. Explain your first experience with gaming.
1: First experience with gaming, was probably a Nintendo, with Mario and Duck Hunt. I think I remember my aunt and uncle, when I grew up, uh, my mom had just left California when I was three years old. She left California to go move back with her parents because my mom and dad, they they didn't work out. So my brother and I, I have a younger brother, uh, two and a half years younger than me. We moved back into kind of a, a small town called Brewerton. New York, just north of Syracuse, about 17 miles. And I remember my aunt and uncle bought a Nintendo, and they locked it up tight. They had it behind two locked doors inside their bedroom. And one day, I remember them leaving it all unlocked. I snuck in there. Powered it on, found the you know the duck hunt light gun, and I was just click 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 you know hitting the screen. Played myself a little Mario. Uh, I was probably about four years old or five years old at the time. And then you know my my father ended up sending uh, my brother and I our own Nintendo console in the mail. And then like from then it was on. It was it was on. Brother he was playing battle toads wizards and warriors wow yeah oh, you're naming oh, these games
0: hella nostalgic i haven't heard these titles in a My long brother was time. into like
1: nba jam uh, uh well that came out that was a later console but mm. uh if if there's any reason why i have such an affinity for gaming and and you know like what it's going to be and where it's going to go then all of that started then wow that's awesome dude. so you started that's so why did they lock it up though and they locked it up because it, it at that point what the price point was like four or five hundred dollars oh, okay. to get a nintendo at that time so i mean they knew little kids were in the house and they they didn't want anybody to use it unless you know it was supervised which is that's fair mm-hmm. right you don't yeah. want you know little kids getting at you know high dollar value items like that
0: dang man that's dope alright
1: so the first segment we're going to
0: get into is character creation Okay, so it's a little bit of background in your life so normally I ask gamers that are on the show what is their gamer tag but I introduced you as just Peter Perez so what was your gamer tag in the gaming industry and why did you choose so, that gamer tag
1: I, I've had multiple gamer tags throughout kind of like playing games uh, but the one that kind of stuck with me was RBE Pete RBE Pete RBEP, yeah, yeah, that was, and I realized it was way too many, you know, it it just, it it was so long to say. It was just really inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, RBEP is just way too much. I needed something that was way simpler. So lately I've just been going by, you know, Perez, P R E Z, Uh, you know, which is my last name, minus one E. But uh, it's kind of a callback to the army. People call me Perez, Perez. uh, You know, rarely did they call me Pete. Even in high school, they called me Perez, and I was like, you know what? I'll just kind of go back to my roots a little bit on my gamertag. So I've been changing it up here and there, Uh, and I'm not. Trying to go pro, I never wanted to be a pro player. Uh, I always wanted to be a support system and a lifeline for people who wanted to go pro because I realized, you know, the lifespan of a pro gamer on average is anywhere between, you know, three to four years. And, you know, that's, that's such a hard thing to accomplish unless you're, you know, you're given 40 to 60 plus hours a week into practice and competition. And I'm a father of two kids and I'm married. And when I got out of the army, you know, you got to get it. You got to get back into work. And so, you know, I just didn't have the ability to sit down and give competitive gaming my full attention. Mm -hmm. So I realized like, okay, there's an opportunity here to create these competitions and to create more infrastructure for players to play because there were millions of players out there. But there wasn't a lot of places for them to play, so I found, you know, there was a, a problem that needed to be solved. And here in Austin, that's, you know, where things kicked off back in 2013 is when I, you know, produced my first uh, online league for Dota 2 with a bunch of Texas Dota 2 players, and mm-hmm. then inevitably that moved into LAN tournaments. And then uh, DreamHack came into town, and they discovered that I was doing that, and. You know, they pulled me in to help gain access to those gamers, plus the rest of the gaming community at large within the Texas area.
0: Wow. So, how'd they, so how they that, did... an- that answers your question on the yeah. tag, uh, yeah. and then some. But So why Prez? Like, how did that, like, you mentioned they've been calling you that, but why Prez? How did that get brought up?
1: Uh, well, it was uh, actually a few months ago when I needed something more truncated. Right. I needed something that, you know, didn't have like so many syllables. Right. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make it, you know, because people start asking me like, well, what the hell does RBE stand for? And then I'd have to go into that history on, you know, the my early community activist days when I uh, was a big proponent of a resource based economy. Uh, as proposed by a man named Jacques Fresco, who just died a few years ago at the age of uh, 103 or 102. And uh, he lives in Venus, Florida. And he's the founder of an organization called Venus Project, which essentially wants to, you know, move humanity more towards what Star Trek uh, essentially is, where, you know, the, the monetary system, we've surpassed it no one needs money anymore and resource acquisition like basically if we were to take an audit of all the resources on the planet we would manage those resources in an intelligent way to make sure that everybody has their needs met Mm -hmm. so that comes with a lot of complications Uh, obviously you know in the current political landscape and current economics like it doesn't mesh People can imagine a post monetary world living in a monetary world right and then that brings up all kinds of conversations about the banking system and mm-hmm. you know how 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 money is created and again that that's just a whole can of worms that I didn't feel like I wanted to bring into the gaming world uh, other than my gamer tech. and then you know I surprisingly I ran into quite a few people who were also you know, heard of a resource-based economy, like, you know, Sam Gonzalez. Like, I don't know if you realize it, but when he met me and found out, my kids uh, heard him say, you know, RBE, and he asked them, "Did you know what it is? And my kids are telling, my kids are educating him on it. And he's like, what? And where'd you guys learn this? And they're like, oh, my dad, you know? And then as soon as I <laughs> came in to work that day, he, he's like Pete. I want to shake your hand. I'm like, you're the first person I've met in person that is also, you know, aware of this post-monetary idea. And you know, that's as uh, as beautiful as that is. It's just not a realistic thing for us to do right now because mm-hmm. it's like essentially the cart is pulling the horse, right? We can't try to move to a post-monetary world when we have only a minority of the population of the global population um actually have you know proper you know good clean drinking water you know a roof over their head and um a support system like a family or a tribe or a community and you know like that's what has to happen first like we can't just lift up a small section segment of the global population without inevitably trying to find a way to bring everyone else up at the same time so Humanity has to go through that progression and I think gamification, I think gaming is a great way to supersede, you know, political boundaries, language boundaries, uh, any ideological differences, religious differences that people have. And I think gaming is one of the great unifiers of the human family Mm -hmm. because it is rooted in play and one way to live your life joyfully is to be involved in play. And if you're doing something fun, it doesn't feel like work. So that's why gaming is attracting so many people because it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel, you know, that you need to walk away from it and feel exhausted and drained from it. Like, yeah, some people get burned out, but that's probably because they just need to go to sleep. Uh, but <laughs> gaming is such an easy thing for people to find uh, relatability to because this isn't, purely just video games we're talking about we're talking about tabletop games card games dice games board games uh this kind of reminds me of a story that i heard from uh uh uh, from a woman named jane mcgonigal who wrote a book called super better and she tells of a story of one of the earliest games that were ever played was a a prehistoric tribe of people that uh, what they found is that they were going through a severe famine and these people would have died had it not been for a dice game that they invented to play with everyone in this in this tribe in order to overcome their hunger and overcome like the i guess the dread and the worry that they were going to go through because they didn't have any food available to them, so they extended their life expectancy, or at least they extended the time at which that they didn't need food by they doubled it essentially, mm-hmm. because they focused on playing games rather than being worried about where their next meal was going to come from. So it was fascinating to hear the story, and that games have always been a part of humanity all the way back to you know, like, you, know uh, you know, prehistoric times, you know, before. You know we have modern man recording uh and etching in stone you know the these these stone stone tablets of what is happening in history. Games have been involved you know since the beginning of time, so we can't ignore the power of games, the power of gaming and building uh camaraderie and building community and uh it's right there in our history,
0: wow. That's actually a really good story. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because with with that going on, like, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Gaming can be used as an outlet for whatever's going on. So, like, I f- yeah, dude, he made, damn, he got me speechless right now. <laughs> that story, like, it's, it makes a hell of a lot of sense of, and it's definitely relatable to what's going on today, man. And it's very, un- the gaming industry is very underestimated right now. I mean, so where you? Yeah, f-
1: it's. So where are you from? I was born in Southern California. I uh, lived there for about three years with my parents, and then they split, moved to Central New York for you know uh, all through elementary, middle, high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, left New York State after I tried college. College wasn't for me. Uh, I was in party mode. I was in you know, like socialite mode. I couldn't focus on my studies wasn't getting anything done i was getting c's and b's in all my classes even though i was barely ever there uh had i been there probably would have aced everything and and uh was on a fast track through college that would have been easy i graduated at, at high school at 17 so i was kind of ahead of the curve and that simply used to my my is in september so everybody was older than me um i always had older friends growing up so i I felt like i was surrounded by a lot of good influences and positive influences in my life but i realized that being in new york and being surrounded by you know friends and family that were just doing the daily grind and they'd go to work they'd come home they'd be tired and they'd like play just as hard as they worked but that play came in the form of either booze or gambling or you know smoking weed and just like just party animals Mm-hmm. And I realized, like that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. And at a real low point in my life, I got a phone call from an army recruiter, and they, you know, were trying to. It was really bizarre. I look back at this, and I really caution people who were approached by our, uh, like any military recruiter, where they try to appeal to your like base human <laughs> needs as a sexual creature. Right? You're gonna meet all <laughs> these girls. You're gonna go overseas. You know, you're just you're just going to have to pick the litter, man. You're going to be in uniform, and you're, you know, oh, but what about my job? Oh, forget about your job. Don't worry about that. You're going to have a good time no matter where you are. And it just, I felt like there was a lot of misleading information that I was getting from the recruiter, but I still ended up enlisting. I uh, kind of ignored all of that. I was a, a Boy Scout, and I had um, I had taken the PT test and was able to come in as an E2 rather than uh, an E1. Mm-hmm. And so I had that boost in rank, enlisted, uh, ended up going to uh, basic training in um, uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and then went to Fort Gordon, Georgia, where I had my AIT and was trained on how to be a uh, network switch administrator, uh, which is basically maintaining secure communications for the military. And then went to my first deployment in South Korea, where I ended up meeting my wife, who's from... Florence, Texas, but grew up in Hawaii and she had graduated college and went to South Korea to teach English as a second language. And it was fascinating that, you know, like I'm looking for friends to meet on MySpace and happened to find her in Seoul. And I'm like, hey, I sent her a message and I was like, Girl, you got it going on. Like, look at I don't you whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. And so it was just so terrible and the worst pickup lines ever, but it worked and she wanted to hang out and i brought all my buddies down to seoul korea we ended up meeting and by you know new year's uh we were a couple and three months into it we were pregnant with our first kid and hazel we tell everybody that you know she's made in korea which is absolutely true made in korea so, (laughs) so yeah i have ambitions to try to go back to korea uh it would be amazing to kind of go through that path you know now that i have two children they're 14 and 11 now and they're very much involved in gaming, and you know, like, love every aspect of it, and have a future in gaming in some capacity. Uh, don't know what that looks like, but I'm sure they'll they'll come up with that on their own. But yeah, it's, uh, the journey inevitably led me back here to Texas because I either had a choice of either living with my you know like, um, immediate family up in New York or being here in Texas with her family, and it, it was an easy decision. Uh, Texas has incredibly mild winters. I mean, it's it's December yeah. right now and I'm chilling on, you know, this uh yeah. this beautiful Texas Hill Country. And I mean, I I'd, I'd go up the hill, but the wind is too strong and it'd be <laughs> it'd be killing the microphone right now, yeah, so it just definitely. wouldn't work. But uh you know, maybe I'll I'll you know, go up there and we'll catch a little bit of it just for the podcast. So you can yeah, layer I'll... that in or something. But right. anyway, the it's just texas is a beautiful place i'm glad i ended up here and uh, it's presented a lot of opportunity for me
0: of course and for anybody that's from the midwest or up north which i am and he is if you guys are tired of the snow please come to texas just come to texas just come to texas
1: <laughs> you'll be great you'd be awesome i mean everybody from california is coming over here for good reason i noticed man. that I mean,
0: but then a lot of people it, from texas is going to california Which is weird.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's a lot of the Silicon Valley types uh, that are heading over there. Yeah, I think I think that's what's happening. Because if you live in California, what you can get for one house, you know, what it costs to get a house over there, you're starting at almost five hundred thousand dollars. You know, and you come here to Texas, you get two houses for five hundred grand and twice as much land, twice as much square footage. I mean, if you like a big house, I mean, I'm I'm a tiny house kind of guy. I like tiny living. Uh, because I don't like accumulating stuff, I like to have a short list of inventory of everything that I own, and I'm just not a not a person about excess. So when I look at the esports world, and you know, you know, this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but the there's a lot of excess, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of waste. There's a lot of mm-hmm. things that just get thrown in the garbage, right? Especially uh, events like DreamHack or any convention for that matter you know the comic-con or e3 like there's just so much waste that goes into these events and while i'm not a i'm not trying to be a champion of any of that but it'd be nice to like you know play smarter and game smarter and be you know a smarter entrepreneur about this and uh really focus on a, a conscious way of entertaining people and also being good stewards for the planet
0: Yeah, well, when you say waste at these conventions, what exactly are they wasting?
1: A lot of, there's a lot of merchandise that ends up getting purchased that doesn't fully get out to the public, then ends up in a garbage can, Uh, there's a lot of, like, paper, plastic, like, all that stuff accumulates. And there isn't really a a proper way of handling all of that waste that goes into it. Plus, uh, what happens is, you know, like, when you get volunteers for these events often the volunteers will stay as long as they tolerate and then they just end up going home so on day three when you know you're hoping that you have hundred percent retention of all your volunteers 25 percent of them decided they wanted to go home because there's no obligation for them to stay they're volunteers
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know what i mean they just yeah. just walk away and you can't force them to stay longer than they you know or have the energy to do so and so that, that creates a burden on the existing staff. And so i cut, right? Things, a lot of things are just going to end up getting thrown in the trash. Uh, and, you know, it's not... Uh, this really doesn't even need to be uh, a big issue to discuss. But I'm kind of one of those guys where I, I look at these events and I'm like, how can we really make this leveled up beyond any other event that has been created before? And I feel like gamers are smart. They're very intelligent people. They mm-hmm. love solving problems. They love completing the quest. They love going on that journey. And they need quest mates, right? We need our, they need we leaders. Need our battles, right? You know, we need people uh, by our side to help you know, give us that extra boost of energy mm-hmm. to really fulfill that mission. So gaming, we can do, I feel like we can do amazing things through the element of entertaining people through play and through gamification. And that's just one thing I'd like to see improve in the space. Uh, however, that doesn't necessarily produce dollar signs uh, unless you, you, know, you find a way to minimize the amount of stuff that needs to be purchased, but rather provide experience that people are willing to pay for, which I think, I think I've solved that problem in one way or another through um, putting efforts in the eSports combine.
0: That'd definitely be a... of a way to what is that like like somebody creating something some kind of organization that deals with waste i got a lot i mean we're
1: dealing we're dealing with digital content right yeah so rather than just give people merch to take home uh although i do love to get a sweater t-shirt hat you know i love to get all the gear uh, uh but side trinkets and tchotchkes you know that i feel like digital content could go a lot further that could hold on to value a little bit longer in that you know if it's a limited release you've got you've got something there i mean Mm -hmm. skins for video games are holding value and that was a market that you know skeptics didn't think was going to go anywhere much like when they think about blockchain and digital currencies right yeah Uh, anything can have value if it's in limited supply and there are people that find it. All right. So
0: we're back here at the podcast. Uh, Pete's phone died. So there's a little fast forward 10 minutes later. Poor guy had to run back to his car. <laughs> power. Power, man. Got come prepared. It's all good, though. You got to love technology. You love yeah, to hate it, right? You hate to that's love the the it. I mean,
1: being a gamer, man, internet and power without it i have to play a board game.
0: Yeah, oof, exactly. All right, so, uh, Dan, where did we leave off?
1: We were going into, uh, I guess, just some ways to level up the whole gaming experience. And then I thought the whole waste issue was going to be something that, you know, we're going to see throughout lots of different events. Uh, And then I started talking about the Esports Combine. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We can go into that if you'd like.
0: Esports Combine. Uh, I mean, if you feel like you want to talk about it, just go ahead and talk about it. You can get it off the chest.
1: Uh, all I all I want to say is I want to give a shout out to Daniel Ivars. Uh, he approached me and had this idea of wanting to kind of imitate what the NFL Combine and NBA Combine were doing. Mm hmm. And finding a path for pro players from the amateur circuit to the pro scene, giving them, you know, a clear path on how they can get in front of these pro teams and showcase not only their talent but the metrics of how they play as a gamer. Uh, you know, watching biometrics, obviously health is going to come into play on that one. Their performance, not just with existing games, but with new gaming titles that they've never played before. I want a well-rounded player. I don't just want one player that's badass in just one game, Mm -hmm. right? I want a player that's cohesive, not just as a team player, but also as a good performer in-game and they're teachable. I think having somebody who is teachable and flexible and willing to accommodate kind of all kinds of scenarios and challenges is kind of the dream, I think, for some of these pro teams. And the esports combine could be a way to do that. And there's already... Organizations that are out there trying to build this competitive space that also has a fast track for players to showcase their talent and be presented, put in front of these pro teams and chance to be selected, to be signed on and earn a salary playing as a professional gamer and so that's it's under development the request for proposals been made and we've been shopping it around to different convention centers and obviously looking into different you know different partners that can help fill all those gaps in mm-hmm. you know fulfilling the combine mission uh and i'm already seeing people that i've talked to making steps into moving in that direction uh, and so it's a very appealing an attractive way and I, I feel like it's an inevitable direction for esports considering that the nfl and nba are already scouting at these combines to try to find the next top players so it'll just be a matter of time within the next few years if not you know me and my team uh, launch something because um, i do know you know dreamhack is interested in wanting to put something together um that's still to be determined there's no no confirmation on that yet uh in fact i couldn't even say if there was mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh what i will say is that it's nice to see that other people are making those steps towards a combine again i'm not i'm not looking out for myself here on this one you know i'm, I'm not just all out for sole uh benefit I feel like that this esports world is really only going to grow when we have people that are allowing this information to flow, flow freely. Uh, I'm not saying that we disclose all the deals that we make and you know like the numbers that are behind that, but at least give people the idea because yeah. if they feel the initiative and they feel the energy coming from other people that they're passionate about the mm-hmm. you know the the collective esports market then, you know, inevitably they're going to reach out a hand and say, hey, you're like, um, I appreciate your inspiration. Come on board. Come help us. Come help us really fine-tune this vision and figure out what it looks like. So, yeah, shout-out to Daniel for approaching me with that idea because, you know, I feel like that was a catalyst for a lot of the momentum that's happening specifically with the Combine discussion. But that's, that's it in a nutshell for, uh, for all I can say for right now.
0: With the yeah, i'm excited to see how that unfolds it's gonna be dope uh so describe your childhood
1: my oh. childhood yeah. was a very unfortunate upbringing uh extreme poverty run-ins with cps my mom almost lost my brother and i at one point just really bad living conditions uh, my mom was the youngest of seven Mm-hmm. children and you know, like when you have that many kids by the time the last one is there you know that that kid's kind of left to fend for themselves um, I'm not trying to make any excuses for anybody or for any circumstances that I was put into as a child, but you know the, the way that I see it is that an individual, per, an individual's trauma essentially can become their their armor and their resilience for the rest of their world. Yeah, and that the people who have suffered the greatest, you know, when you think of people that have gone through the Holocaust, you know, even in those moments, they still learned how to live a fulfilling and happy and joyous life. And still found joy in even the darkest of times. and so you know I when I look back at my childhood and I you know realized that things were really difficult. Uh, you know, I can't speak for my brother, but I think he took it harder than than you know between the two of us, he took it a lot harder than I did in growing up in in such terrible conditions. Um, you know it was a good learning experience in that it allowed me to be able to open my eyes to what i want to make sure my children didn't go through Mm -hmm. right i I didn't repeat it it didn't become a cycle that i then fell into Mm -hmm. i i learned how to rise above those obstacles and know that if i'm ever going to have children they're never going to go through that situation in their lives And and so now i'm battling with How do I make sure that my children Aren't um, You know Taking the things that they have now For granted right How should I have them suffer a little bit So they can value what they have I'm like no 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 no. In parenthood What I've learned the most is that My children are going to learn from example They're going to follow In my behaviors and my patterns And what I do they are inevitably going to do Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't proclaim or to start to create mandates and tell them this is how it's going to be. and then turn around and me not follow those same values or traits. That's just yeah. purely hypocritical. And so I, my childhood opened up uh, my eyes to you know the way the world shouldn't be and that uh, children all over the world I feel suffer to varying degrees. You know, and there's a long list that I'm sure, you know, like your listeners and you, even you yourself can relate to, you know, like there's certain things that children should not be subjected to. And so if, uh, if um, as, as I journey through parenthood and yeah, like my kids, maybe one day they'll be parents. If not, that's cool. Uh, I have no expectations for what their futures are going to hold. I just, I want them to know that they have a support system, no matter what decisions they make and whether they succeed or fail. That you know they'll have their tribe, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever that looks like, and I feel like that. From it's weird because I didn't have that as a child of a nuclear family, but I did have a tribe of friends and people who you know tried to support my mother as she was you know a single mom raising two kids, and I have just have a lot of grateful gratitude for the village that you know was created uh, inevitably from that and whether my mom you know saw it that way or not i did now as an adult looking back that you know i don't hold my mom or my dad in contempt i in fact i haven't met my dad as an adult male Uh, i I haven't seen him since i was three years old and he's you know living in south carolina he's been deported to mexico like three or four times Uh, he's been in incarcerated for five years at one point for drug trafficking and uh, yeah, so I've I've got all these really unique situations that have happened in my life uh, connected to my parents, and and it's just I don't look at any of that as a detriment to my well-being. I don't hold any contempt or pain or sadness or anguish. I just I look at it at face value and know that every individual in this world is going to suffer at some point, and my mm-hmm. suffering is no unique, and no special, no more special and no more unique than anyone else's suffering and that's that kind of commonality just helped me realize that you know uh, if i have any ambitions to use gaming as a catalyst for global good and helping the world find more camaraderie and connectivity and helping support one another that feeling feeling as though that my suffering deserves any more attention or any more you know, uh, special treatment than anyone else's is just absolutely absurd, you know? And, and I, I wouldn't, I would ask anyone else that is also going through severe trauma and severe suffering is that the, you want to make the world better. It has to start at home. It has to start with the choices that we make at home and the way that we treat each other, the way we treat ourselves, the way we view ourselves. And... You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also fortunate at the same time that, you know, I, I went through that, such hardships as a child to bring me to where I am now as a super content. I'm a content human being, and no matter what situation that I'm in, and I just, I try to live as joyfully as possible because I know that that is infectious and that joy is going to bleed into other people's lives and they're going to feel a bit of safety in that joy, like no matter mm-hmm. how difficult things are. And so the military also builds on that resiliency as well. So I, I have a lot of gratitude for the service because they really do b- break you down. And mm-hmm. you know, like when, you, yeah. when you get ready to go into basic training, and I know you can relate to this, yep. they really break you down, but not for the purpose of you know, like rebuilding you up into something that's just gonna be a war machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're training you how to be a warrior, but they're training you how to be a mind warrior as well on how to not look at your pain and suffering as a detriment, but rather as your growth, as a way for you to come back stronger and to come back more resilient because that resiliency is ultimately going to get us through the next hardship that is inevitable right around the corner, right? It's only really 3% of the things that I actually want to have happen in my life are actually happening. Everything else is out of my control. So why, why would I get, you know, why would I obsess about the things that don't go right in my life when there are things in my life that are going the way that I want them to. And that, that pattern, I feel like increases as I look at you know the silver lining, and I look at the opportunity rather than, you know, the the disproportionate, uh, unfortunate circumstances mm-hmm. that happen in our life. Right? Why suffer twice? Is what I tell people who I have this conversation with. Mm-hmm. If I go through something or somebody does some wrong to me, why am I going to dwell on that and suffer twice? Like I don't want I don't want to go through suffering more than unnecessary suffering more than I have to. So. I I try to forgive them almost immediately, or I try to disconnect, you know, my, <clears throat> my feeling of being a victim. I realize that there's something going on in their world mm-hmm. that is causing them to lash out and cause pain and to, to actually feel pleasure in somebody else's pain. Like, that is a very traumatized human being that has probably gone through a lot of unimaginable shit that, you know, we haven't really fully understood. So yeah, my—that's uh, a long answer for yeah. uh, my my childhood, but yeah. well, it's a good answer. W- yeah, it's just like what do we, what do we allow into our lives? We have a choice on that. What we allow into our lives when we become independent adults, and mm-hmm. and who and what we surround ourselves with really makes an impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I would encourage everyone out there, you know, that's hearing this, is just find your tribe, find your people that can be your support system Mm -hmm. and they don't care what it looks like they don't care they're not holding any judgment they're not holding any expectation they just they see you and they value you for what you are able to do for yourself and then inevitably it's going to branch out into doing good things to the people that you're connected with so yeah it starts at home man
0: so going off that say some you mentioned that your brother took it harder than you so what was the turning point for you that where you were a victim of circumstances and what was a key factor that changed it to you were a student of your circumstances
1: I think within the past 10 years, I really looked back at my childhood and realized, like, wow, I can have a relationship with my father. I can reach out to him, talk. You know, I, I actually thanked him for sending that gaming console back when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was like, you know, you mailed us that gaming console. And that was a catalyst for where I'm at in my life today. Being connected to, you know, like the, the gaming world at such an early age, uh, it, it allowed me to find a pattern of behaviors that allowed me to forget what my situations were for a little bit of time and allow my creativity to really be at the forefront right that start to envision these worlds and be part of you know these role-playing communities and you know be uh passionate about any gaming clubs that were going on in schools like if i had not had a console being you know like, i'm sure gaming inevitably you know, like people get exposed to it over time but um i feel like it was really over the past 10 years is when i realized that you know like, there were a lot of very interesting like gurus and mystics that were out there sharing their wisdom and letting people know that intrinsically we have all this knowledge contained within we just we've forgotten along the human you know, the pathway the human timeline and in order to really unlock all of that intuition that i feel like we all have we're all empaths we all have the ability to feel that someone else is going through something mm-hmm. and and uh, going through some kind of trauma i mean you know you think to the holidays or people make jokes about their families not getting along or whatever but you know I, even when people aren't getting along i try to find ways to diffuse that and bring back the commonalities and that's you know, that when I learned that over the past 10 years, it was like getting out of the military and looking back and realize that like all of the things that I've gone through have really made me the person that I am. And so I, I look at all of that with humbleness and gratitude and know that, you know, I, I would, I would do it all over again if I could, you know, like even, even the bad things like, you know, I would go through it all again if it meant that I was then going to come back an even more resilient person than I am now.
0: Mm-hmm. So given your past, what was a memorable memory you've had that was a key lesson for you to help you build yourself?
1: I think it was all the time that I spent playing and having fun with friends. We would would all drag in our old... To like tvs these old crts and we would drag them into like an attic space upstairs and there'd be like four xboxes set up and we were landing up with some halo i remember pl- connecting to steam before steam was its own you know standalone game like retailer, right? Mm-hmm. This marketplace that now exists. Steam was just this, like, client that you connect to to play multiplayer games in its early stages. And, you know, like, this is before I graduated high school back in the mid, like, late 90s. Uh, those were really memorable experiences for me because that carried into the military. Like, I was always trying to get these LAN things going. Like, you know, I, I as soon as I got in and I could afford it, I bought a laptop. I remember playing Doom, on this sound system in the room and it just sounded like (laughs) a a, a big old old tv sound system everybody's out drinking at the bar and i'm back in the i'm back in the barracks playing doom and blowing things up and i you know and i would get complaints from people that are like, dude, it sounds like a horror movie over here. What's going on, man? And then, and then I'd have people sitting behind me watching me play this game. Yeah, because it was, it was so cinematic, it was so much, yeah, awesome. it was very cinematic. A lot of, uh, it just it felt like they were in a movie theater. And so, you know, they, those those moments they stay with me very much because it, uh, there was a lot of um, connection, positive human connection, quality human connection that was. Happening there, uh, and and I think uh, it's like I'm a big proponent of physical fitness. Like, I think I think we should, as gamers, we should also be focused on our health and wellness because a lot of these gamers are sitting most of the time. And yeah. so the physical fitness component helped me be a better gamer. It helped me be a better problem solver. Uh, and you know we we have gamers out there that are live streaming and basically drinking and smoking and eating themselves to death.
0: Yeah, I know you gamers like that g Fuel, but drink water sometimes, damn it. <laughs> God. Some of y'all don't drink water, and it shows. Come on, guys. You got, got to be better than that. That's awesome, man. That's, well, thank you for sharing your background, man. That's dope. That's, that's a hell of a character creation. So the next segment we're going to get into is with every character you create, there's always a set of attributes that you have. So I'm going to name off uh, some characteristic traits, and you rate yourself from 1 to 5, 5 being the highest. You ready? Shoot. Grit.
1: Ooh, I would say that's a, a hard 7. Oh, yeah. okay. Why? I'd say it's a hard 7. Well, I mean, seven. I think you pretty much I'm, explained
0: it, yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm warrior trained, man. I I know how to use firearms. I I don't I don't take anybody's shit. Like hey. I, I I but I don't fire back in a way where it's like, "Hey, let's knuckle up and go step outside." You know what yeah. I mean? It's I try to find the most effective way to try to diffuse a situation, but also letting people know that, you know, yeah, I'm ready to handle it if if that's what it's going to come to. A good motto, needed? my
0: yeah. A good motto my drill sergeant would say is learn to be a quiet professional. There you go. And I was like, that's good advice. Damn. That, and then you know, growing up and going through basic, I like, all right, I see what this guy's saying. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, I mean.
1: Grit, grit is something that I feel like is a learned trait. I feel like course, people yes. can, a lot of people can, people can tune in to you know their fortitude mm-hmm. and how they handle situations and how they behave as a professional. And you know, I, I I'm trying not to present hubris. I, I'm trying to be as humble as possible while like trying to grade myself in yeah. this. But oh, man, I, you put me on a range, man. I'm an expert marksman. I will light up that target. I'm just, just saying, man, if anybody wants to hit the range... Let's go. I, I'm, I'm your, down. I'm, Let's get I'm your, it. I'm your guy.
0: It's been a while since I had a... Well, you can't have M4s, but AR-15 in my hands. I'm down. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, curiosity.
1: Curiosity, I'd give that um, a lower score. I'd give that about a five. I think my curiosity spans only as far as uh, what intrinsically I haven't been able to figure out on my own. Um as much as I would like to say I'm a a, a super curious person, uh, my curiosity only extends to how much time I have in a day. And I'm just working all the time. So, I mean, I I feel like once you find your groove, Mm -hmm. you, and and this might be one of my failures is that, you know, I I need to be open to learning more and more and more and more. I I never want to call myself an expert as much as people out there want to go around calling themselves expert. I know that the climate, the environment, are like the marketplace any job that you create for yourself or any organization that you're a part of change is an inevitability technology is racing forward faster than our understanding Mm -hmm. and we have to be able to adjust to that change that is always at the forefront of everything that we're doing and so learning is you know inevitably going to follow behind that and you know I think my, I, I, I should be a more curious person and I don't think I am as much lately. I feel like I've settled into my groove and you know, like started to move down. The- social intelligence. Social intelligence, i give myself maybe a three. I miss a lot of social cues from people who like don't wanna be in certain situations. Like I, I'm a networker, I'm a marketer. I'll go out there and if somebody wants to talk about the industry and they wanna learn something, they ask me a question. More or less, I'm giving them the, like, long version of the answer rather than the short version. <laughs> yeah. and, and I I don't pick up on their cues, like, looking at their watch, like, uh, uh yeah, Pete, thank you. Are they like thank this? You for this? They're trying thank to leave. F- <laughs> thank you for this lecture, Yeah, <laughs> but, like, I really only had three minutes, and we're now 30 minutes into this. So, yeah, uh, I don't score myself very high on social intelligence, uh, just for that fact, because I I will... You put me on stage at a speaking event, and I will run the clock. I will I'll totally run the clock. Even nice. though there's a guy in the background like, gratitude. Let's go! Cut it, it. Gratitude. Gratitude is a five, for sure. I, cool. have, I have so much gratitude for the place that I'm in, my family, my friends, uh, all of the connections that I've made these past few years. Uh, I feel like gratitude would be one of the things that's kind of helping me feel like I'm I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right thing. Integrity. Integrity, five, for sure. Uh, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, I want to be impeccable with my word. I want people to know that they can rely on me. Like when they have a mission and I say I have a contribution that I want to add into ben. that, I give it. I give it my full attention and my full heart you know and uh that's that's a five for sure loyalty loyalty oh man i would say i would give that a four only because my loyalty only goes as far as i feel as though my contribution is also being met by an equal contribution with all the other people that are a part of it and i know that it's without getting you know into too many stories or backstories on that i feel like you're you're only as good as your team you can have the best idea in the world but if you don't have the right team then nothing's going to get done or at least it's not going to get done to the standard that you know, like you're mm-hmm. you really want to set for yourself so yeah. I, w- I would give i would give myself a four on that one because there is i'm o- i'm loyal to an extent Mm-hmm. Uh, until I see that you know, if there's an intentional self sabotage, I'm like, well, I can't be loyal to somebody who's you know,
0: is not like, loyal bringing to a grenade,
1: Bringing a hand grenade to the meeting every time, like we're trying to have a meeting because it just kills it kills productivity. Yeah, it kills productivity. And so I I um, I'm still kind, I still want to be courteous to those situations, but I, I know my limits and I will ask people to no longer participate patience patience i would give that a three i need more patience sometimes like even with my kids and my wife i want i want to have more patience with them Mm -hmm. and i feel like my patience and i think this comes from me overworking myself and obviously we like we get tired yeah we're not you know we're not hydrating we're not eating we're not sleeping we're going to get cranky and like even with gaming you go on a long gaming session and even live streamers you see them popping off you know and while i I don't think it's that bad and i might be really scoring myself kind of low on this i feel i have uh my wife would give me a, a five for sure she would give me a five because i've been in a lot of really stressful situations and and everybody looks at me and like pete you're just you're just so level. What is going on, man? And you want drugs? Like, what's going on? This isn't bothering you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I just, I just realize that it's to, not to my benefit by, yeah. you know, also suffering along with somebody else's tantrum or, you know, uh, aberrant behavior or whatever might be going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I would score myself a three only because I want to be a better father and a better husband to my family, but. You know, and and I think they would probably score me higher. At least I hope they would. Confidence. (laughs) Confidence, all five, man. I'm. You put me in a situation where I need to uh, deliver a message, or I need to uh, see something get done. Like, there's nothing that's gonna stop me. I will, man. Even if I don't have the answer, I'm gonna provide the best serve. I'm gonna give somebody the the most the undivided attention, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. give them my heart, I'm gonna give them my passion, and my confidence definitely shines in those moments when something needs to get done or I'm at an event and I need to get on stage and I need to talk and I need to exude uh, some level of professionalism and let people know that, yeah, maybe this guy has an understanding of what the hell's going on in this gaming world. Uh, my confidence really comes through in those moments, and um, and I just hope it doesn't come off as you know, like arrogance or hubris. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very confident in that. Like this world is going to see really good things come out of the gaming world. I'm confident in that 100. percent. I feel like it will save the world. Charisma. Charisma. Oh man, it's such a hard thing to try to score yourself. Uh, I would put that. I would put that somewhat high. Uh, I would give it about a four. So being a little self-critical there. However, I, I should probably knock that down a bit. Only because my greatest charismatic attributes probably come in in the way that I communicate at these events and these you know like B two B type of expos mm-hmm. where I need to meet a lot of professionals and and talk with them and and be open to educating them. But I feel like in having good charisma, you also need to be a good listener. Yes. And I feel like that's where I need to improve is I I need to be able to to stop and allow the parties that I'm connecting with a chance to be able to voice how they feel, like their opinion, their ideas, Mm -hmm. because through listening Uh, I feel like would level up my charisma even more because I I have all these things that I want to share and all these ideas and all of the uh, visions that I have for the future, but that does nothing if I'm not getting feedback. Like, is this right for you? Is this, Mm -hmm. what does this look like to you? Does that work for you? It doesn't, why or why not? And I feel like that would level up somebody's charisma if they're willing to listen more than they're actually delivering a message. Playfulness. Oh, I'm super playful. That's a five. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, like, someone pulls out a board game. Somebody, like, wants to jump on, like, you know, get a LAN event going. Uh, I'll jump on the mic, and I've got to be playful in order to get these guys, get their, like, uh, get their enthusiasm going. You can't get on the microphone and just, like,
0: the... round
1: one model tone team, <laughs> team foxtrot versus team delta you're up next oh you know what i'm seeing and, and doing yeah. commentary back in the day you know when i was doing commentary for my own events and and for other events in north and south america i mean you can't be deadpan man you've got to be you've got to be enthusiastic got to be you've in there be playful you've got to be fun yeah like, if you're not if you're not willing to engage people at that level, I mean, they're just going to tune out. And then why would they even want to watch? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Stubbornness. Stubbornness, uh, I would give that a three. Uh, that's. I would think that's pretty high for me because I can be really stubborn when it comes to, like, uh, me wanting to accomplish something. And then my wife is pulling at me like, hey... I, uh, she's sharing her intuition with me, and then I, I'm not listening to her intuition, and I just continue to drive forward and want to learn from my own mistakes. In that, I would call myself extremely stubborn, and that I I want to go through the pain and suffering alone. I don't want somebody else sharing me the, like the the red flag, right? They're like, "Hey, i'm just trying to warn you. This is probably not a good direction to go in." I, I'm super stubborn in that, and that I will drive forward with a mission. Even though, you know, everybody around me is telling me that it's like, hey, man, probably shouldn't go down that road. Uh, I'm not going to give any examples today. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I would score myself probably like a a three in terms of stubbornness. Perspective. Oh, perspective. Don't you wish we all had a bit more perspective, man? uh, I would give myself probably a four on that one. I, I miss things at times and wish to, you know in hindsight right hindsight's 2020 20, you want to look back and and see that you know you have a better understanding of what's going on in your life everyone could use a bit more perspective so i i don't think anybody's a five at this one i feel like perspective is a lifelong journey you know it's not a destination you're not going to reach some moment of like Holy shit! I'm fucking epic enlightenment, enlightened, and now uh, somebody that can be a soothsayer and and tell you what's gonna happen in your future and know what's gonna happen in mine. But I'm a pretty good guesser. (laughs) Aren't (laughs) we all? Aren't we all? All
0: right, logic.
1: Logic. I feel. I give myself a three, Uh, I find myself extremely logical as a person where I like to tie, you know, um, I can string together a logical pattern of things, but I feel like where I could improve on that is actually implementing it in my own life, right? I can understand a logic for somebody else's life when they come and sit down with me and I give them like a story. Or some kind of parable or something I've learned from like Sadhguru or any of these mystics or gurus that are out mm-hmm. there and they have all this wisdom to share. And they're like, oh, I heard, I heard this amazing like gem, this token of wisdom. And I want to share it with people. I want to share it with my friends. And then applying it to my own life, like completely fail. You know, it's like we want to be those people in our lives and then when we try to execute it in our own lives i I always feel like i come short i come up short you know and 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 i feel like that's another one of those journeys those life journeys that we go down that inevitably we're gonna you know we have to go through that we come to that conclusion on our own at some point where it's like okay either i'm actually gonna put into practice the things that i'm trying to say or give advice to other people or i look like a hypocrite
0: self-awareness
1: I'm very self-aware. I would give myself a four on that one i would I would add that self-awareness comes with also being open to other people's opinions and views of you, mm-hmm. uh, because we're you know we're all we're all one big, happy family. You know what I mean? We're all the same if, when you yeah. suffer, I suffer. you know what yeah. i mean when when something else is going wrong in the world suffering in another part of the world inevitably that that's me suffering too you know what i mean those are our human brothers and sisters out there that are going through hard times and so i i want to be aware of the human condition and in that i feel like my self-awareness because it's tied to my awareness that we're all connected man we're all stardust as carl sagan yeah
0: stardust you know what i mean yeah i know what we're you're all, talking we're about
1: all we're all stardust, man. So, I mean, we, uh, we, we have a very big journey ahead of us as a human family. and um, Yeah, my self-awareness begins there.
0: Critical thinking.
1: I'm a very critical thinker. But at times, uh, I feel burdened by that. I feel like my critical thinking can also be a detriment to myself because then I become an overthinker. Mm. And then I don't trust my intuition as much, and so I give myself maybe a, a a three on that one because my critical thinking will often go into analysis paralysis, and you know that's that's a tough thing to overcome. Uh, and again, I'm trying to be very critical. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be very critical of like my scoring here on this one. Yeah. Uh, but in my strength is that you know I. I'm able to quickly list out all of the potential scenarios in a critical thinking exercise. And then what happens is I just spend way too much time uh, analyzing all of those uh potentials and potentialities right and i I would get in trouble with exams i would always run the clock in exams and they'd be like pete what are you doing and i'm running i'm writing out of the box i'm writing into the bottom of the paper i'm flipping over i'm writing into the back of the page and it's just like it's like calm down bro (laughs) truncate right so in a very concise get to the point in as few words as possible because brevity is again you like when people learn how to communicate like this people are less likely to tune you out and they actually hear like those key messages those key uh you know those key viewpoints that you want to share essentially so yeah i'll give myself a three
0: competitiveness
1: i'm not very competitive Really? In fact, I'd, I'd give myself a 2 in terms of uh competitive. Yeah, it's like I would intentionally throw games with friends. Playing okay. like playing yeah, you know, like first-person shooters or playing board games or card games because I wanted them to have fun and I wanted them to play again. Okay. Because if they it's like when you try a tutorial for the first time in a video game and you play it for the first time and your friends just stomping you but now they have these tutorials out where you win no matter what you go into the game it teach you how to play and you win and you're like oh yeah you got all those yeah. hormones going in your brain you're like okay now it's time to go to game two mm-hmm. you know and and i learned that that was just a tactic and it, it kind of came and moved into my the marketing that i would do is that i wanted everybody to believe that they had the potential to learn and be masters mm-hmm. of their craft yeah and if i was constantly going in and trying to just you know be the best and like i'm the greatest i'm better than you and you and you and you know if i just invited my friends over and i just stomped them every time we played video games together Mm -hmm. eventually they wouldn't even want to play with me anymore yeah and you know and so yeah i would i would intentionally throw games and intentionally lose just so i would have a playmate like i didn't want to play alone you know Uh i'd I'd give them a game every once in a while yeah you know some people would be like oh well that's that's deceptive but you know also at the same time i'm appealing to the sensitive nature of people's need to have to feel like they've accomplished something and i even see that with my kids now if they don't win they're just really hard on themselves really hard on themselves mm-hmm. and me when i don't when i don't win i'm just like time to go at it again time to go at it from a different angle or let's pause and reassess mm-hmm. i'm willing to go through that that critical thinking to try to figure out what do I need to do to, to win the next game what did I do in the previous game that I need to do in the next one in a very like I, that's why I think I should be an esports coach I really think I should just because of the military background I think you and I both like we we could probably kick some ass in the coaching world mm-hmm. uh, only because human development uh, I feel like is another latent passion of mine and just helping people be the best human that they can be
0: course it's actually interesting <laughs> uh okay well the next one is fairness i feel like you've already answered that
1: <laughs> yeah i i think i would score myself a, a four on that one i feel like in the business world you you can't just give everything to everybody and expect you know that you're just going to find inevitable success you know you, you've got to get them salivating and get them hungry um, so I'm an open book, but to an extent, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've done a lot of pro bono work, done a lot of volunteer services. Hell I've even, I've gotten into the trenches, uh, with the homeless community and helped them out. And, but you can only, you're only one person, you can only do so much. And so that fairness has to extend to how you treat yourself as well. You gotta be fair to yourself just as much as you're being fair with others. So, you know, in the business world, you know, you, you You want to incentivize people but at the same time you don't wanna stretch yourself to a point where, you know, you're you're no longer able to take care of yourself. So I I would give myself four Mm -hmm. on that one. I'm I'm a pretty fair human being. I I tend to I I compromise a lot, but I also do a lot for free.
0: Okay, last one. Luck.
1: I am not a lucky person at all. I don't think. Uh, looking back at my childhood Looking back, uh, I feel like I would give myself a three on that one only because luck luck is one of those things that, like, yeah, you can roll a die, but there's a probability Mm -hmm. scenario in that. Mm -hmm. So with that probability, luck, you know, luck's an illusion. You know what I mean? Luck is that circumstance, you know, that if the cards are right, then yes, you're going to get this outcome. Uh, 1 plus 1 is 2, right? But if I Mm -hmm. can't see the math that's happening, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It doesn't mean because I can't see, you know, the light rays coming from the sun doesn't mean it's not happening. I'm not lucky to have the sun happening here. That's an inevitability of, you know, the cosmos doing its thing. Uh, But, yeah, wow, luck, how deep, right? just, Just by mentioning luck as a trait. Uh, I would like to think that I'm a lucky person, but I, I just, I think I've gone through a lot of really weird scenarios that I feel has been tied to maybe a past life or something, you know, because I've met <laughs> so many, I've met so many individual, I've met so many characters that are just, um, they're just, there's a lot of people out there that are all for themselves. Yes. And for some, for whatever reason, I have the luck to attract those people in my life. And as a very altruistic person, I want to help everybody. I don't want to say no to anybody. I want to be like, yes, I want to help you. Like, you have a dream? I have a dream too. I want to help you fulfill your dream because if you fulfill yours, then I fulfill mine. But if somebody is continuously self-sabotaging, there's nothing you can do for them anymore. Like, they've yeah. got to come to terms and come to that realization on their own. So, yeah, my luck, um, I don't feel it's run out. But, again, I feel like those, those were learning lessons for me. and my, I, I could use a little bit more luck in my life. I think everybody could
0: yeah of course everybody can use a little bit more luck of
1: course all
0: right so so we went over your character creation and you've set yourself your own attributes so now let's go on to your main quest my friend so what is something that you're working on right now
1: well i'm working on a few things i wear many hats i participate in many activities i'm working on Producing events for a grocery store chain That has like 90 something locations Throughout the US called H Mart You've been at one of the events In the Mm -hmm. past that we did with Guardian Gaming Uh, That was a lot of fun We had a massive turnout for that Um, So I'm I'm still Continuing to work on Producing those events with H Mart I'm also working on advising companies Within the uh, hotel industry um, Specifically With hospitality Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm working on helping get a mobile app that's a mobile concierge service that basically automates the entire hotel experience for like uh, people and clients that come in and stay at these hotels. Uh, it's, like targeting... an,
0: it's like an Airbnb?
1: No, no. I uh, think Vegas. I think Vegas hotels, they have all these events and foods and drinks, whatever that you can order. And imagine being able to do all of that from your phone, controlling your entire room, the temperature, the lighting, being able to order your towels, okay. uh, being able to order, like this, get, get a space available at the spa, get mm-hmm. a masseuse to your room. And, uh, you wanna go see a show, but you don't wanna pay full price. But if you wait long enough, Phones telling you like, hey, there's seats available at a like 75% discount. So we're, we're talking about reducing spoilage. Mm-hmm. We're talking about you know, like eliminating the middleman, so the credit card companies get out of the way, and it's a direct payment from the customer to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's an incredible app. It's called Lavender. I'm advising them right now, and I'm introducing them because I've I've been traveling to all different kinds of cities and met people who own hotels. Um, I'm also uh, a co-founder in and a CMO for a family capital group based out of Park City, Utah, called O'Dumber Tree Capital, and they they uh, basically buy and acquire a hotel real estate. And so that inevitably you you meet lots of individuals who are either interested in owning, owning a hotel or um, or currently selling a hotel. And so when you're surrounded by those circles, and you know, like you you run into a mobile. You know, like concierge service that wants to be placed in front of these hotels as a potential uh, solutions provider
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a software solution provider. Uh, that's that that was a real fortunate uh, circumstance uh, that came my way. Because now, I mean, a lot of these things take time, you know. Uh, yeah, people, especially in the tech world. Yeah. yeah, you can't just rush out and think you're going to make a million bucks overnight, nope. man. If you got a strategy, that sometimes takes three to five years before you even close on your first deal. Mm -hmm. and so what i would recommend to anybody who's interested in you know kind of going down that route and being you know a self-made entrepreneur or creating your own company or creating your own business is that like find the right team find the team find people who have a similar vision as you and are to execute on that vision you know those are two things that i'm working on that uh have presented some unique opportunities for me and uh i would say the the last piece of it is that. Like I'm, I'm trying to open up the gaming world to a lot of other markets uh either within you know like the political space or the influencer space or you know, like getting sponsors linked up with uh you know events rights holders or um the big influencers and so i've got i've got my hands tied into different companies and different individuals that just reach out to me and say hey pete we need your help gaining access to this community and and that's a lot of what I've done for many years now. Hmm. So, so with
0: every main quest, there's always some side quests.
1: Absolutely. So, what are some it's side inevitable. quests you're working on? The side quests? Uh, mm-hmm. self-development. Just working on my own health and wellness, I think, uh, would be... It should be my main quest, but, again, it's like, you're... It's catch 22 in that if you're obsessed in your own personal development and, and just obsessed with your own, like what you eat, what, you know, your sleeping patterns, you, it can be a detriment to yourself if, if you get to the point where it's all you're focused on, right? You, yeah. you've, you've got to take everything in with balance. And so I think that's one of my personal side quests is just working on my own mental health and wellness and my own ability to be the best father and best husband that I can be for my family and you know helping helping the village really come up and be like you know um be as as genuine to themselves Mm -hmm. as they possibly can be so that they can then be a conduit for others you know when when my kids get older right and I want people to look at them as a source for compassion and understanding and uh resource for knowledge and and i think that's a side quest that i don't think i'll ever stop pursuing like that's that's something that kind of goes with you the whole way
0: mm-hmm. what's another side quest you're working on
1: or if any oh uh let's see uh the esports combine working on that has been uh a pretty long side quest that talking to different destinations to see, you know, which one wants to park a combine inside the convention center and finding the right partners to be kind of mixed in and also be solutions providers for the combine, because there's a lot of components to that, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to, you've got to analyze the players and then you've got to provide a one sheet printout of all the data and the metrics that you're collecting on those players uh you've got to incentivize it you've got to monetize it so you do what's the price point that people are going to buy in in order to leave from a convention center with a one page basically resume on their cap- full capabilities as a competitive gamer and so that's that requires getting a lot of partners layered in because you're you know you've got to get the computers you've got to get the power the internet right you you've got to be able to uh deliver the messaging in a clear concise way on what it is that a combine for competitive gaming looks like so that anybody who walks into these events knows what to expect and knows what to take away from it so that's not it's not always very easy. And uh being a good storyteller is where I think, you know, like, um people do really well in this type of business and and mm. sharing like the full scope of what they're gonna get from it. So yeah, that that side quest is uh that one's gonna be one cooking in the oven for a, for a little while. Uh but when it happens, it's gonna be amazing. Uh regardless if somebody else does it first, because I've been talking about it at different events and I know I caught the ears of some of these, you know, big wigs, uh, hanging out at these like esports travel summits mm-hmm. and, you know, these, uh, different events that are happening all over the place, you know, it, it catches their attention. And then, you know, you look a couple months later and you see that they started doing it on their own. And, and then I'm like, well, good for you. Good for you. Cause I'm going to be paying attention to you. I don't be very critical of how you're going about this. If you know, like, you aren't actually being you know like a, a vanguard for the for the gaming world. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want people to co-opt this. Like all the other industries have been co-opted to some degree, like Hollywood, the NFL, whatever. And it, this kind of goes into a, the discussion of like human trafficking and all of these you know dark. Dealings that happen kind of behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about, and I don't want esports to be anywhere near that stuff. Um, we have we've had people in the esports world that have been caught in like pedophile rings and things like that, and so that's very real, that is out there. Mm-hmm. And I've got two children that are gaming, and I'm very glad that they are also anonymous when they're part of these game gaming worlds because, like. You know, It does include a lot of good people, but there's a lot of bad people out there too, and it's just the reality of the of the situation. The Olympic Committee—they've been talking about wanting to get esports involved, but that's one of the most corrupt organizations that are out there. I'll I'll go on the record and say, like, we've had four different committee chairmen that have had to step down because of corruption, and if that's happening within the Olympic world, and it's very obvious, and there's tons of news. Uh, publications that are going into more detail on what that level of corruption looks like. eSports, if that ever happened to the eSports world, I'd be devastated, man. I'd be devastated. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that to happen to an industry that I've devoted so much time and energy to mm-hmm. just to have it be co-opted for nefarious purposes. like that that's one of my main prime directives is to make sure that that corruption and that, those entities stay as far away from the gaming world as possible. Like this needs to be family friendly. This needs to be open to doesn't matter where your background or where you come from, that the gaming world has a place for you. And that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted that to uh, wanted, wanted my main focused to be as i entered into this space professionally mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that people were aware and i i wear that on my sleeve man i'll go in to these events and find out that you know like the ncaa or nace trying to come in and take prize money from these you know like, uh these co- collegiate teams and uh, You know, it just baffled me. And I get it. That's what the NCAA does. That's what they do. They Like the college players, basketball and football, whatever, they don't get paid to play on those teams. But esports is different. Esports, you're entertaining a global crowd. You're devoting a lot of time and a lot of energy into developing this. And frankly, you don't need college in order to become a pro esports player. In fact, I would say most colleges out there, don't even have a, a proper eSports curriculum mm-hmm. like if you were to try to develop an eSports syllabus for a semester, like, I can only think of a, a very small handful of people, very small group of people who could actually develop a curriculum that that I would fully support and back that was proposed as an eSports program. At, a coll- at the collegiate level, because frankly, and and I think there are some other people out there that would agree with me on this is that you want to go pro as a gamer, you don't need college to do it because right now the colleges are are falling behind, right? The colleges are looking to people like us in order to be educated on how they would do it for, you know, like the next generation or the generation mm-hmm. after that on how to do it. And so I feel like taking prize money from such an industry that's so young, and taking it from the players, try to promise them training facilities and promise them access and promise them sponsors and all that other like it, this is kind of getting into the, the, the more dramatic side of uh, um, what happens within the collegiate world and these higher institutions that try to come in and exert authority over these players, I just don't think it's time, I, don't, I think the timing is way too It's way too uh, premature for organizations to try to come in and, and Flex their uh, their access that they have to traditional sports and claim that they can do that for esports. It's it's not a one to one comparison on that. Yeah, not Mm -hmm. yet anyway. Not yet. We're we're just not there. We're not Mm -mm. we're not selling seventeen million stadium tickets like the NFL is here in North America. You could say that that's happening in Asia and Europe and like you know, uh, but we're not even we're nowhere we're nowhere close to selling as many tickets as the nfl does for football games here in the u.s for esports events so i mean anyway i i could come up with a lot of reasons.
0: <laughs> man all right so with every main quest is always a final boss so what is your final boss you wish to conquer in your main quest
1: Oh, the final boss. I man, I feel like that's the dark version of myself. I feel like that's you know, the the person that if I were to just take the easy road and just cheat and steal and lie and you know, that that's the I feel like that's the thing that I'm battling the most is like, man, I could take the easy road. Man, I could you know, being a there's a fine line between what is beautiful and what is horrifying and i feel like we all have that within within ourselves and the final boss is going to be you know the the opposite of what i am because it's always looming there right we make that conscious choice every day when we get up in the morning like are we going to treat ourselves good or are we going to be hard on ourselves and be full of self-doubt and misery and like self-pity and self-loathing and i think that's my final boss i think that's that's what i've been combating my whole life is trying to not be the person that uh you know would going back to like what my childhood was you know to make sure that 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 is not a future that any child whatsoever should ever go through and so that's Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's it that's the final boss for me man is my complete opposite is the you got the, the angel and the devil and having to, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and you have having to be able to, you know, keep that out of your, your periphery. Right? You don't want that to enter into your life at all. Mm-hmm. So I feel like everybody battles that every day Man. to some degree.
0: Yeah. So say you conquer your final boss and it hits game over. What is a legacy or impact you wish to leave when somebody opens up your save file?
1: Man, if somebody opened up my save file, I just, I would want them to see that, I would want them to see just pure joy. I'd want, I'd want them to open up the save file and just be able to smile and feel that my accomplishments were also their accomplishments, right? I don't, I don't do this for myself. I pride myself on being a very selfless person in that I want to be of service to others. I know that through being of service, I don't need to have all the answers. Hell, I don't even need to be the best at what I do, but if I give the best possible service and give people the attention that they deserve and treat them like a quality with quality human interaction, that's what I want in my safe life more than anything else. And I want people to open that up and, and feel inspired to, Treat themselves good because through that, that's going to allow the world to heal much faster.
0: It's a good answer, my friend. Last question: Where can people find
1: you? So people can find me in a few places. Uh, LinkedIn's a big one; that's where I connect with a lot of the folks in the professional world. You can find me, Peter Perez, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I've changed my handle; it's now Warrior Pete uh, on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I think it's still R-B-E-P on Twitter or on Instagram. I don't know if I've changed that one. <laughs> I'll
0: be sure to put the links in the description and everything's about it. Sure, Everybody can find you. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sure. Stay up to Appreciate date with that. you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, social media uh, is such a strange place because I don't, I don't like to spend time on social media. Mm-hmm. I've really grown to not like Facebook and I, again i'm not one of those people that likes to dwell very much on the things that i don't like i like to be in you know like Mm -hmm. the positive spectrum right i like to be like this are the things that i love yeah but i i think we have to be honest with ourselves that social media has turned into like something monster yeah all on its own like my kids are plugged into it uh i have you know some aversion to it other than creating events and i create an event I want the page that, that event page. I want all the data, I want all the information. I want to look at that page as if I was attending the event. I want all the answers mm-hmm. available for me. So I know what the experience is like. So social media is great in that. And whenever we do events, that's a great tool to get the data points out there so people can sign up and play and come out and be a part of the event.
0: So if somebody wanna reaches, wants to reach out to you, what's the best method of contact for you then?
1: Oh, the best way is, the best way is to shoot me an email. Yeah. What's the email? Or, yeah, rbe.pete at outlook.com. That is my personal email. Uh, I try to use that more than the business emails, unless it's specifically tied to business. Okay. Uh, So I do, I have those business emails out there, but then I would just move those conversations to those business emails. If, you know, like, if that's what somebody would, you know, they want to talk hotel real estate or they want to talk combine or, you know, they want to talk, uh, you know, um, consulting, they need a consultant or something. And then we would switch over to those, but I like, do you keep, just keep my personal email up? For now and let people know that hey man they just they've got a problem going on with them in the esports world and they need somebody to just vent to i'm more than happy to be that person that they are like hey man i went through some shit at this event and it was terrible i don't need you to do anything but i just want to tell you i had a time okay hey man Tell me how you feel. Tell me how you really feel. Tell (laughs) me how you really (laughs)
0: feel. All right, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure for for you to be in here. Of course.
1: Yeah, I appreciate being being a part of it. I am very much looking forward to seeing your podcast uh, grow and keep doing this. Keep shining bright lights, my friend. You're a beacon of positivity, so keep it going. Thank
0: you so much. Well, guys, there you have it. Mr. Peter Perez. I
1: said in the beginning, a
0: vanguard of esports basically it turns out just everybody in life so like he said if you guys are going through any questions concerns anything you guys got going on this man's an open book he gave you what you needed to reach out to him again thank you again pete uh it's your boy gold lion stay happy stay healthy and most of our gamers stay golden